Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Bengal Tiger Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Shay Dixon. Shay, it's Monday. It's time for Monday Mailbag. How are you? I'm doing well. Yes, Monday Mailbag. Uh, last week, we had tons and tons and tons of questions because they went from a loss to Florida State to a blowout winning over Grambling State. Everybody was eager to see how they looked with SEC play beginning. They go to Starkville. It's 11 a.m. It's always a great environment. Kyle Bells are going to be ringing. First SEC game on the road at 11 a.m. That's a trap environment. And they played their not only best game of the year, one of the best games of the Brian Kelly era, 41 to 14 win. Mailbag's popping. We got a couple of pages here. We won't go an hour, I doubt, but we got a couple of pages. Um, so you ready? I'm ready. We talked to Brian right, Kelly. Let's get it, uh, get um, it rolling. So <clears throat> again, these do, are questions from the Bengal Tiger. Do you, you want to do any um, injury report real quick? Oh, yes. Um, what It's probable across the board. Uh, Omar Spates, linebacker, probable. Mason Taylor, tight end, probable. They both missed the game against State. And then Ovia Gofu, uh, probable, who Braden Swinson has stepped up in a big way and been an edge rusher for him. Obviously, Harold Perkins is playing that nickel edge role, however you want to say it. But Ovi maybe for uh, this game. And I don't know. What do you, how do you unpack those three? I know we talked about Spates and Taylor a lot on the prediction pod, but now that you toss in Ovi. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, like I think Braden Swinson is more than capable. I would argue Braden Swinson has been better than Ovi to this point. So that's not a big uh, change. Uh, but I, I do, I mean, like you said, they're all probable. They expect to get all of them back. We saw, I think, Honestly, at this point, Greg Penn might be, you know, linebacker one for lack of a better term. And then he's and Brian Kelly said you kind of work in everybody else around him. I, I don't know if we have uh, week, weeks or questions like that or anything like that in here. But, yeah, so linebacker wise, I think they're fine with or without Spates. And then um, what was it? Mason Taylor, I think they desperately need back moving forward. And Ovia Gofu is kind of a luxury if you get him back. And then uh, obviously the Greg Brooks situation is um, we're just hoping that everything's okay with Greg. Yeah. Medical emergency is what Brian Kelly reiterated on Monday. He said it's a family matter. They're dealing with it privately. It is Greg who's having to go through it. So thoughts and prayers with him, no timetable on a return, but he will not play this weekend against Arkansas, the school he transferred in uh, a couple of years ago. So, you just mentioned it. We'll start the mailbag here. These are uh, mailbag questions from users of the Bengal Tiger. If you're not a member, you can become a member. TheBengalTiger.com on the On3 network, a dollar for the first month. So um, support us, obviously. Uh, yep. Jump in and favorite the videos and like the videos and share them with your friends and subscribe to the channels. But also our, our full-time job, obviously, is the actual Bengal Tiger uh, website where it's been hopping across a fun first few uh, weeks of the season, Matty B, to uh, to say the least. But you said you didn't know if there would be any weeks questions. There obviously would be. Whit Weeks, top 100 player, top 150 player, but top 10 linebacker, was highly thought of coming out of high school. He had a big sack, or at least I guess it was a hurried throw on uh, Will Rogers on a blitz. He led the team with eight tackles, and he started at Penn along, uh, alongside Penn at linebacker with Omar Spates out. Cairo Tigers leading us off, and he asked, who in your mind earned the most playing time this week? And for me, there's your answer. It's what weeks. Uh, yes, he's a freshman, but as you kind of hinted at in the beginning, Matty B, Brian Kelly said today when we were at his press conference, you and I front row, as always, being good students of the game, uh, he said, Greg Penn is someone we trust. They started him in every game last year pretty much, but 
from there, it's going to be a rotation, meaning when Spates get ba- gets back, he's not just going to bump Wit out of the lineup or out of time on the field, whatever it might be. It's going to be a rotation of, to some degree, we don't know how much. You can name anyone, but that's where my mind immediately goes when we talk about who earned more playing time after State. Yeah, I, I think that's the the right answer. I mean, you look across the board. I don't think there's, and I think we have another question here about you know who could supplant somebody. I don't know if we have like another player that could take someone's job. Um, you know, Ryan Yates came in, and I think he stepped up in in a big way. Some people asked about him or Toviano. Ryan Yates as a coverage guy, I think they like a lot back there. So he's someone I think earned earned some time. Other than that, I to me this was a game that was decided along the line of scrimmage, and I thought thought everybody who we expected to be good on the line of scrimmage was really really good, both offensive and and defensively. So um, those guys, you know, Jordan Jefferson, we talked about a lot, uh, the Parishans, so on and so forth. So. Those guys are all as expected, but I'll, I'll go Ryan Yates and then um, Mac Markway as my guys. Yeah, Mac Markway, another tight end who played very well. And then Ryan Yates, uh, as a freshman, got out there for a good amount of action and early in the game. And Brian Kelly said he looked very good on the film review in terms of just being in the right place, knowing what to do, playing sound football. So uh, that's good news there. Um, Capital City Tiger said, look, it's a great win, obviously. But his question is this, and we talked. Uh, Brian Kelly talked about this a good bit today. But he says, do you think this team comes out with the same edge against Arkansas that they did against State? It's always easier to coach a team after a loss than a win, according to Saban. Do you see this team keeping their eyes on the season goal, blocking out the news, et cetera, um, and not drinking the Kool-Aid of the week? I'm not sure there'll be too much Kool-Aid because that FSU loss is still very fresh on their mind. What I think the FSU loss did was give this staff and team and players a wake-up call that – this was not going to be, we can just roll out of bed and beat everybody. And we will only be tested a couple of times. It's going to be more like it was a year ago when you're battling every week. That being said, we've seen signs of improvement on both sides of the ball. Obviously, the offense is absolutely rolling. Um, my answer here, Maddie B, is I think that once you've found that intensity, especially early in the season, that it's easy to maintain in a way. So I do not expect any sort of letdown from them. Yeah, and you know they'll go through ups and downs throughout the year just like any team but i hesitate to in sports in general i hesitate to always blame you know the intensity because sometimes the other team's just you know is ready sometimes you're not ready even if you think you're ready so it's it, sports is as we all know a, a fluky thing in a lot of ways um, I expect LSU to be prepared. Brian Kelly over the past 30 years in my opinion has shown that he for the most part has his team prepared um in games now obviously you know the top 10 games is where he's gonna have to continue to prove himself as a coach but i think his record what is his record against the spread in in games that are like not top 10 he's phenomenal in those games so he's definitely as good of a coach as you can ask for and i I think he has lsu in the right spot right now i have very little worry about that this weekend um utah tiger esq i don't know if he's responded yet that's an esquire thing or what but yeah. Uh, he says, how does Saturday's performance, the winner of state, by both sides of the ball, which both offense and defense were quite excellent, affect your view of the season? Maddie B, thoughts? Yeah, I was thinking maybe it's Tiger-esque. I don't know. Tiger-esque? I don't know. Um, but yeah, I th- we, we talked on this after the after the game in our reaction podcast. And to me, it very much raises the ceiling because that's what we needed to see from this team. We knew 
at the very least, this team could be as good as it was last year. But in order to be competitive in the playoff space, in the top 10 space, they needed to prove that they can put away teams like Mississippi State. Um, you know, we'll see Arkansas this week. But teams that are not as good as Alabama and Florida State um, and, then, you know, the rest of the SEC West is kind of open. But those teams last year, they couldn't put away. This year, through one game, they were able to put them away. And that's a really, really good sign for me to show that this team has that upside. They're more comfortable. When things are clicking, this team is much better than it was last year. I think that's my big picture takeaway after the Mississippi State game. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that I've said it each week. I don't want to get too high or too low off of anything. And beating Grambling State, it's an – it's a very inferior opponent, but scoring 10 touchdowns in a row to start the game and then kneeling out basically, or just giving them the ball back on your 11th possession speaks volumes. And certainly no matter if state is the worst team in the West, it speaks volumes when you go on the road at 11 AM to start sec play and you're very flawless on both sides of the ball. Um, I see all that. I also see across the sec that it looks pretty open in the West and that everybody has things that they're working through or deficiencies um, so I think view, my view of the rest of the season, I had said 11 and one to start. Then I had adjusted it because I did not predict them to lose Florida state. So I said 10 and two, we talked about this last week. I'm just, I'm very much still on track with that. And certainly I've got one of their losses being Bama and Tuscaloosa and Bama looked certainly beatable, uh, against Florida. This week. now they'll figure out their quarterback situation. It ain't going to be Tyler Buckner. I'll tell you that. No, they named a uh, Milrow the starter for Ole Miss. So that'll be the big game this week. Yeah, that'll be a great game. And Ole Miss is actually, if you look at Jaden Daniels and how he's done this year, I wrote an article about it for the site on Sunday. You can check it out on the Bengal Tiger, but it's kind of just breaking down how he's in the top one or two of the SEC in all passing categories, not just rushing, which he is in that too. The guy who's holding pace with him is Jackson Dart, uh, both rushing and throwing football. He's had a very nice start to his season. So um, that'll be a good matchup when LSU and Ole Miss play, but first uh, Ole Miss and Bama play which would be a great game i am imagining utah tiger is a practicing lawyer which is why he's got that esq but he can tell us for sure mm-hmm. uh nola fan 33 seems like we're starting to see roles solidify uh digs at running back hilton might have passed up lacy at receiver herds getting more snaps there's obvious ones on defense a lot of these we had predicted would happen but are there any more players you'd like to see get more snaps right now in roles and positions that could change in the next month or two. I think he hit on a lot of the good ones. We talked about weeks. You said Yates more. For me, I think one interesting thing, because we're in a bit of a holding pattern, is that, and you mentioned this in the offseason, you were dead right, they're going to find two cornerbacks they like, and then they're just going to play those two cornerbacks every snap of the game until things go wrong or someone gets injured. And right now that's Denver Harrison, Zy Alexander. If someone gets injured or they do get into a rotation, like State wasn't testing them throwing the football. Like if they get into a game where Ole Miss is throwing it 50 times or something, and it's like, okay, we got to rotate some guys in, who are those next guys? I'm, I'm curious what the answer there is, whether it's Ashton Stamps or do we see more of Deuce Chestnut or Sage Ryan? I don't know because they've tried a little bit of everything out of the gates. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point. Um, we, we've hit on a lot of them. I, I think – you know, Hilton, Lacey will be something to watch moving forward. Uh, Diggs, Williams. Anderson, Graham. maybe. Anderson, they need, I mean, we've been harping on them needing to get Anderson a little bit more involved in general. Uh, we know how talented he is. 
what do you what do you think? No, I'm just saying, like it seems like they've tried. He's gotten like three or four looks, but it hasn't been it's like quick screens and bubble yeah. stuff. Yeah, it hasn't been conventional, and you know it hasn't been the type of. Res- I mean, I thought him coming over, and you know, we watched this high school film and whatnot. I thought he was more than a gadget player. I I called him a gadget player over the offseason, but I didn't think he was literally just going to be a gadget player because I I thought we saw him in fall camp catch some, you know, in between passes and whatnot. I didn't think he was going to be Kyron Lacey or Malik Neighbors out there, but I thought he'd be used more conventional than what he is right now. But I I did hesitate to call him a gadget player over the offseason. So that is one. That's a good one right there to see if he can figure out where he fits in on this offense. It's nice to have options. They have a clear number one or two receiver and neighbors and Thomas. And then, as you said, Hilton, and as he said, Hilton and Lacey have kind of swapped around, but you're going to get Anderson involved. Um, so that's a good thing. I do still think that as he comes off that injury, much like Mason Smith, that, you know, you take a few games, you shake off the rust, and then you see how you can kind of get worked into the offensive picture. Uh, Nolafane also asked, and you touched on this a second ago, so I'll let you take this one. He says, uh, look, if we put Weeks in for Spates and Swinson in for a Govi because of injuries, great. But do either of them stick? He predicts Spates will go back in over Weeks, but that Ovi plays over Swinson. Thoughts? Um, I think both of them rotate a lot, and that's a cop-out answer. But I just I can't see Omar Spates not seeing the field because of Whit Weeks, and I can't see Whit Weeks not seeing the field because of Omar Spates. I, just, I think they're both very good players. They're good situationally, and – um them i mean if we take brian kelly's word they're kind of rotating around greg penn right now which i'm cool with i think that's great and then ovia gofu and brayden swinson i think same thing you rotate them similar to how you rotate defensive linemen they're not going to play 80 snaps like they're you'll play 50 and 30 or something like that so uh it depends on the situation i still like ovia gofu's experience i think he was fine in the first couple games and uh brain swinton i think is obviously has a little bit more pop a little bit more upside a little bit more pass rush ability let's uh, go ahead and give a shout out to bird dogs here maddie b one of our uh, sponsors on the podcast we talked to you guys about it uh a couple of times every month but We've said it from the start we love the shorts we own the pants i'm wearing the hat right now i've got a polo all of it's great. Bird dogs make you look good. The stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and the leg to give you that truly sculpted look. You'll be looking straight jacked, obviously. Mm-hmm. Bird dog shorts uh, do the same as a lot of the other performance shorts around there, but I think they're better um, in terms of what all is out on the market. Uh, made of, a, you know, your normal stuff, stiff, restricting cotton. Trust me, these bird dog pants and, and shorts certainly are not like that. They've got the liner. They're made with that cloud nick fabric. It stretches uh, the anti-stink sweat wicking fabric. It sounds uh, kind of gimmicky, right? But it's not. Those things stay so dry. And we're in South Louisiana, so I can attest to it. But we've got you hooked up here. Tigers is the promo code. We're going to get you something free. Go to birddogs.com slash tigers, or just go to birddogs.com. Fill up your card. Go to checkout. Enter the promo code tigers, T-I-G-E-R-S. You will get a free Hydro Flask style water bottle with your order. I've got one. Uh, they're legit. The ice stays nice and uh, nice and together, even overnight. So it's lasted well beyond 24 hours for me on days wherever I filled up uh, and kept the ice in there and just kept refilling the water. Uh, but that's free. Promo code TIGERS on Bird Dogs. They have a million things on there. I would recommend the shorts, though, with uh, the summer weather still here dragging into September. Uh, they are the real deal. So Matty B's been wearing his stuff to play tennis. 
um, potentially basketball. I don't know what all he's doing in him. Matty B. I got mine on right now. Shout out. I got mine on right now. Oh, he's in him right now. See, this is the kind of uh, this is the kind of customer service Bird Dogs provides. Is not only are they an ad sponsor, he's literally wearing it during the podcast. So, shout out Bird Dogs. Get on BirdDogs.com. Check some stuff out. Add anything to your cart and throw in that promo code Tigers. You'll get the free Hydro Flask style water bottle with your order, and then it just shows up in a couple of days. So, moving on here. Um, Bourbon and Cheerios. Hey guys, long time listener, first time caller. Love the show. We love that. First time listeners. I feel like I get that every week. Um, I don't know why that rings a bell, but Bourbon and Cheerios, glad to have you here. Just two questions. Wow. What a guy. Matty B, he's he's dwindled from like seven to five to four. He's like a recruit. He's trimming it down. He's now got a final two. So we'll give him both. Give him a nod here on both. Uh, He's got a freshman question. Stamps. Ashton Stamps, corner. Whit Weeks, linebacker, running back. Caleb Jackson, right tackles Dalance Hurd. Which freshman makes the biggest impact the rest of the season? I could be proven foolish here, but I'm going to take two people out from the start. I'm taking out Caleb Jackson and Ashton Stamps. Stamps has multiple people in front of him, and Caleb Jackson does as well. So moving, not going to say that they're not going to play, not saying that Caleb Jackson isn't going to get touches. He starts on kick returner, but he's still got to grow his game a bit. He's certainly not a three-down back yet, which is what Brian Kelly talked about today. Josh Williams and Logan Diggs, he said, put on the state film. Those guys block the hell out of guys on third down and pass pro. Caleb's got to obviously grow his game a little there. That's not to be surprised. He is a true freshman. So our options for me are two guys, Whit Weeks and Hurd. I think both have the chance to end up starters. But I'm going to go Hurd because I think that's where their issues lie more than at linebacker. I think that if he does lock up a starting job at right tackle and Emory Judd, Emory Jones does go to right guard. You've put now one of your five best offensive linemen onto the field. And I think it then helps in the run game a good bit, which they've struggled with at times. So I'm going herd. Mm, this is tough. Uh, I, I think you might be right, but I'm going to go weeks. I think there's a more straightforward path to weeks, at least getting more snaps. However, the biggest impact would be Hurd starting if he is actually capable of locking down that right tackle spot. Like that would be a bigger impact to me because um, I, as much as I think Jones and Frazier have were okay against Mississippi State, I still think there were some question marks there. I still think they uh, need to iron that out a bit. So um, I, I think they're both good answers. I'll go with Weeks to, to go opposite of you because ultimately we saw some flashes the speed, the the pass coverage, we knew was there. Like we knew that out of high school, we knew how good of an athlete he was, and that has immediately translated. And if he can, you know, get a little bit more comfortable, we could see a guy that ends the year with, I don't know, thirty tackles, something like that. That would be pretty damn good. It's a nice problem to have two two true freshmen that are battling to play two highly ranked guys at that, uh, with her being a former five star as well. Uh, it's what you want to see. And Brian Kelly said it today. He said, our selling point to recruits is something that you can look at every Saturday and see. It's whether that's the portal or high school. If you are the best player and you prove it in practice, you're going to play. And it doesn't matter if you're a freshman or fifth year senior. And they're playing a variety of guys of all ages. So I don't think he's playing any real favorites. It's put the best guys out there. Um, and I think that's what they've done a lot more since the Florida State game uh, as well. 
He also asked, uh, what's one thing you forgot as a kid that you wish you still had? What did you throw away, Maddie B., that you look back on and say, damn, I wish I would have kept that? I've been thinking about this last like minute since I saw this question, and I'm really good at keeping things. That's that's one of my – I don't want to say it's a positive, but it's – Does that make you a pack rat? I'm not a, yeah, I'm not a hoarder. I'm not a, yeah, I'm not crazy, but I just, you know, I've done a good job in high school. I had Kobe's when I played basketball. I still have those Kobe's because I, you know, I guess I just knew not to throw them away. And then I don't know. I have my PS3 still. I got, I, I got a lot of things from my childhood that I, I enjoyed that I'm trying to think that I haven't evolved from. I don't, I don't know what the answer is here. If so, you're not a so if you turned your camera around, uh, your living room would be walkable. There's not yes. boxes to the ceiling everywhere, and of all your old memorabilia, yes. of all of your Kobe's, your Mamba's everywhere. I will okay, you've now struck me. I was didn't, I was just going to say whatever came to my mind. You brought basketball into it. We grew up in Memphis, so went to a lot of Memphis State games. That was uh, in the Penny Hardaway days mm-hmm. and beyond, Larry Finch and all those guys. Johnny Jones uh, were coaching up there, Tick Price. I had a bunch of old Memphis State gear, including a bunch of Lil Penny stuff. Shout out Lil Penny, uh, who was Penny's uh, sidekick back in the day. A lot of Penny yeah. stuff. And I just don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm sure my mom has it, and then it got tossed out every time. But they were all shirts, too, that like were given out at games or whatever. They were like, way too big for me then. So now if I had them, I probably could have worn them. But say mm-hmm. la vie. I do now, not rock my Penny gear. Now, I do have... At, at my house in San Antonio, I do have, when I was a kid, I had a collection of all the, you know how they have little helmets of like all the FBS schools and you can just buy them by pack. So I just bought yeah. them by conference. I had the entire P5 conference oh. and the Mountain West, I think too. And I just had all of those uh, helmets and I just went crazy. So that's still in my house, I believe. But Oh, okay. So you haven't lost them. Not I haven't lost them, but I did have all those. Just so Bourbon Chiras knows, Matty B keeps it all. He's throwing away nothing. Yeah, I keep it um, DCT uh, XLA. Uh, DC Texas LA. Because how that one goes. Uh, do we continue to see a rotation at right tackle and right guard? Or when does Hurd earn the staff's trust and lock down the position at right tackle for good? So two weeks in a row, Matthew, Miles um, Frazier has started at right guard. Emory Jones has started at right tackle. That was the first team all through camp. That was the presumed first team all offseason. But we've always had this question of, well, when would they give her a chance to come in and do some rotating? The past two weeks have been that. He's come right into the game in the first quarter. He's rotated. And both have played in these games. When does the rotating end is the question mark. I'll give it another two weeks before I think that Hurd's in the lineup. That's like, a good line. That's they, a good... they play – Arkansas this weekend, then they go on the road Ole Miss. to Ole Miss and Missouri. Yeah. By the time they come back here for the Auburn game, I bet Hurd's the starting right tackle, if not before. I, I, I think that's a good that's a good guess. I don't think Hurd has their – which is to, to the point of the question and your point, he doesn't have their complete trust yet, I don't think. I don't think he's at 100% yet. And I think he's – this isn't like last year where – you know, Emory Jones and Will Campbell, they didn't, they, as much as they had the staff's trust, they didn't have to get to 100% to be starting. Like they were A, very, very talented, similar to Hurd, but B, there was a desperate need. I don't think there's a desperate need. As much as Miles Frazier did not look good against Florida State, I thought he was fine against Mississippi State. And there's not a rush to get Hurd out there. But I do think you said a good line of, I think the Auburn game, 
what is that game six game six yeah game six uh or seven uh i think that's a good time if he is at 100 percent at that point that he gets on there i don't i don't see frazier completely falling off and having two straight awful games and then you have to put hurt in i don't think that happens the i'm with you i'm giving it by auburn then we'll see what happens go tigers 107 asked it seemed like the secondary was much better in Starkville, but was that just a lack of talent on Mississippi State's end? I'm guessing we'll know a lot more about Harris and Alexander, the two corners who are starting after Ole Miss. Uh, Go Tigers 107 is correct. You'll know more after Ole Miss. I'm not saying this weekend and KJ Jefferson won't pres- present some sort of challenge, but right now when you look at who's producing in the SEC at quarterback, it's guys like Daniels, it's guys like Spencer Rattler at South Carolina, um, Wegman's played well in spots, certainly at AM. and yep. uh, even in the Miami loss, he was probably their bright spot. Uh, Leary settled in at Kentucky. He's actually having a nice go at it after transferring in from NC state. And it's certainly Jackson dart in the middle of that conversation, if not higher to the top. I think I'll point out two things. One, he runs it and throws it, but maybe more importantly to this question, Ole Miss leads the SEC in yards per attempt. I pointed out that it was very nice that Jaden Daniels' yards per attempt was over 10. So for every time he's hitting a completion, that's a first down. And people wanted a more explosive passing game. They at least didn't want all the dump-offs. They're not doing that. And even at times when they have, they've gotten upfield and gotten passes yards out of it. Jackson Dart and Ole Miss are at 12.5 yards per attempt. So – They'll chunk it. They'll test your corners. And that's when we will find out, okay, this is the plan. Harris and Alexander, how do they stack up against a team that has talent at receiver, has talent at quarterback, and is very willing to throw it? Yeah, I I, I agree. Um, I, I think Arkansas will, will test them a little bit. I, I understand the receiver talent's not what it used to be. You know, there's definitely no trail on Burks on this team. But, you know, KJ, I can't see them – I just think when teams look at this offense, look at this defense, I think they're going to start attacking the secondary more. I just didn't think Mississippi State was equipped to do that at all. And Arkansas may be a little bit more equipped to do that. So I think they'll take their shots um, with KJ Jefferson this week. So we'll learn a little bit this week, but definitely the Ole Miss game is the big one you circle uh, once you get past Arkansas. Germans asked, uh, is there any hope for the run game to get more creative as the season goes on? Also, how does LSU not self-scout and see that on every run play, Daniels and our running backs start falling forward towards the line of scrimmage? Seems like an easy fix, but pretty obviously to call it every run play before it happens. I'm not sure if that's every time. Certainly if it's like fourth and one, or they already know you're running it anyway. So even if you tip it a little bit, you've still got to get the yards, and most of the times you are running it. I think the run game has gotten a little more creative. I think that also for me, putting Hurd at right tackle and letting Jones play right guard allows you to be a bit more creative. Hurd, because Jones is a much better athlete than Miles Frazier, he's going to pull a lot better. He's a better in the run game uh, as a blocker initially. So yeah. it's a combo. It's not always the running backs. It's not always the philosophy or the scheme. It's execution, and that starts with the O-line. So I think – the movement on the O-line helps, but I also do think that they have gotten a little bit more creative. I mean, from Florida State to now, they are running different plays out of the road, you know, different runs. Yeah, we, we've gotten this question over the last 14 months quite a bit. Um, I, I do think they've gotten a little bit more creative this um, this season. Um, ultimately, 
you know, I don't, they're not under center. So there's only so much you can really do. I mean, you can run, I guess, those quick pitches that they run out of shot. Some teams run out of shotgun. Like there's, there's things you can do. I just don't think they need to reinvent the wheel. Um, ultimately running the ball is not super complicated. If you look at the NFL, you look at most college teams. So um, I'm not worried about their creativity in the run game. They're going to just be able to run the ball or they're not. I, I don't see that as a major concern for this team, especially with Jaden Daniels and his proficiency running the ball. I think that uh, that aspect of it alone keeps defenses honest in a way that uh, opens up the run game. So if, you, if they're not running the ball well, it's it's on the offensive line. It's on the running back. I, I don't see it as a schematic issue. The LSU lawyer, which he is a lawyer, he didn't even need to put the ESQ on it. He's got it figured out there. LSU lawyer 24. Is it me or is the spread for the Arkansas game really big? LSU minus 18. Arkansas's defense doesn't look great, but their offense is pretty good. I did not. Have you seen the line? I did not see that before. Yeah, I, I did see that. I saw is it last it night. I thought, yeah, it is 18. I'm, I don't know if it is this morning, but yeah, it is 18 last night. And um, real quick, I do think it is an overreaction to Arkansas losing that game to BYU, a game where they – I don't want to say control. I have to go back and watch it, but all of the advanced stats, a lot of the you know stats in general point towards Arkansas uh, being the better team, just having some fluky stuff go against them. So I, I do think that is a bit of an overreaction. I'm thinking on, look, on the most fundamental level of uh, bookmaking, if you can even frame it that way, that the public is going to look at LSU blowing out state and not realizing how bad state was and Arkansas losing to BYU and not realizing that's just a hell of a physical matchup between two teams that really play physical brand of football yeah. and think, oh, man, LSU's going to crush state. You put a big number out there, see if people want to jump on Arkansas. Um, but it will yeah. – I do expect LSU to win by double digits. I don't know what that final line will look like, but we will uh, – hell, you'll have your final lines out later this week, so you can tell them which one to uh, jump on. I would uh, – unless you're betting – I would guess that number comes down a little bit, is my guess. If people are jumping on Arkansas, it can come down a little bit. Yeah, I don't know what it will settle at. 17 and a half, eight I – mean, I, I don't think it moves a ton. I, I'd be surprised if it moved more than a point or two. So Yeah, a point or two maybe. That will be interesting. To watch but them. I do think that yes, LSU, if they play the brand of football that they're capable of playing, beats an Arkansas team convincingly. Yeah, double. Um, secondly, do you think LSU figured out some things personnel wise with the D, like Denver starting with weeks, Swinson needing more playing time? You love Swinson. So the answer here would be yes, right? That these past couple of weeks have allowed them to see guys in a different light. For sure. Um, going back to what we said earlier, once you get those guys back, like Spates and Ovi, I think. You're looking at it to where Brian Kelly said, we have more than 11 guys we trust. And that's a good thing because I don't know. Um, last year, I don't know how you know truthful that was. I don't know how many more than 11 guys they had that they trusted on defense. So this year, I think they definitely have more than 11. So, yeah, Denver, Witt, uh, Swenson, those guys are all really good players. I can – this kind of ties in a little bit to his first question, but the next question was from uh, Grape Swisha, SEC Power Rankings, and we'll do this on the West side. We don't. I'm not paying as attention to the East as I do actually watch the West every week. Yeah. We gave our take last week. You said State was the worst team in the SEC West. It certainly looked like that was the case. I will go LSU at one, but I think in a very tight group is your Bama, Ole Miss, A&Ms. Yeah. I'm – Putting Arkansas there in the middle, followed by Auburn and State. 
exactly. Yeah, that's that's my that's my seven as well. I, there's four. Um, we'll see because Auburn plays A and M this week. Um, in College Station, that's an interesting. Game. There's a lot of interesting SEC West games. Three of them. Yeah, LSU Arkansas is going to be. You'll see if LSU goes out and rolls Arkansas, great. Then they continue to look like maybe the the leader in the West. But that Ole Miss Bama game will be one that will um, tell us a bit about both teams. I actually like Bama in that one. Funny enough, and I, I know the huge point spreads already out there, but I wouldn't be surprised if Bama won that game straight up, even with the struggles they've had. They'll get Milrow back in there and figure out some things on the O line and go from there. Uh, but this is an LSU podcast, so we'll keep it yes. that way. But uh, we both would have. If you're saying there's a four-man group at the top here early, Maddie B, LSU, Ole Miss, Bama, A&M, you'd have LSU at the top of that four, correct? I, I would right now, slightly. I, I Bama hasn't – I mean, LSU's only really shown us against Mississippi State, but I think the first half against Florida State was pretty uh, good for LSU as well. So you have one and a half games of quality sample uh, from LSU, and then Bama you know, was up on Texas for a bit. So I'm not saying they're a bad team. They're definitely not a bad team. I think with Milrow, they're going to be a fine team and uh, compete with LSU for the top of the SEC West. Oh, man. Someone asked if uh, they've greased up the fuel tank of the Gus bus yet. Um, no, I don't know. I don't think so. Gus bus or the Nuss bus? And I think he said Gus bus. I, think, I guess he must mean Malzahn. The Gus bus is what he asked. Uh, but maybe he meant Nuss bus. The Nuss bus know. is chilling for the moment. The Nuss bus is being a supportive teammate waiting for his turn. So. Nuss bus has a handshake with Jaden Daniels after they score touchdowns and they celebrate. I'm, I'm assuming he meant Nuss bus. We're out of the Gus Malzahn era of SEC ball. So, um, Mr. Virgo 910, uh, and that was the mighty Jethro who asked that. Uh, Mr. Virgo 910, a confident Jaden Daniels is unstoppable. Agree or disagree? Matty B? Oh, I, I – well, unstoppable is a hell of a word, but um, I think he's he's the best quarterback in the SEC, and he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country when he's confident. Um, but confidence is not only reliant on himself; it's also reliant on the offensive line. It's reliant on the defense, maybe not being as good as we saw against Mississippi State, and reliant on him throwing to Malik Neighbors, and all of those things combined give you a performance like you saw on Saturday, where Jaden Daniels looks the part, feels the part. He is. All, you know, he is everything that we hoped he would be, which wasn't the case, I think, through two games. But against Mississippi State, he absolutely showed us what what he can do and um, what he what this offense looks like when he is clicking. Uh, Clarence Beeks, outside of Weeks and Jackson, um, which freshman impressed you the most on Saturday, given quite a few played? I'll give my flowers to Ryan Yates here. and I did not have him on my bingo card as playing, but with Greg Brooks out, Obviously, yeah. they're going into the two deep at safety. Ryan Yates is the first one out there. And Brian Kelly said, look, we watched the film. He was excellent. As I said, in the right position, he was lining guys up. He knew all the assignments. And for a true freshman on the road in that first meaningful action uh, to be SEC play ball, that's impressive. Yeah. Um, I'll go Mac Markway. I think oh, nice. PF, PFF graded him kind of low in his run blocking, but I was actually kind of impressed with his physicality. Uh, we knew he could block. We knew what he brings to the table. This was an SEC game where without Mason Taylor, I thought he stepped up in a pretty big way. And it wasn't perfect, but we saw flashes of physicality. We saw flashes of what he can do. So I, I'm excited for him uh, moving forward. Let's give another quick ad break here uh, to game time. And game time, folks, I, 
I've been getting you into things every week. I've gotten you into the Southern game, uh, or excuse me, Rambling State game, sitting uh, basically courtside, uh, even though it wasn't a basketball game. It was basically courtside uh, at the 50-yard line. Got you in the Mississippi State game for 30 bucks in the upper deck or cheaper if you wanted. The Game Time app is where you need to be going for all your ticketing needs, whether that is sports, music, comedy, theater. It doesn't matter. It could be for you. It could be for the wife. It could be for the girlfriend, kids, something on there for everyone. Uh, what you're going to want to do, download the Game Time app, create an account if you haven't, and use the code TIGERS. 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create the account, Game Time, go to the App Store, download it, G-A-M-E-T-I-M-E. Download the app, sign up, get through everything, read your uh, read your different terms, and then uh, get in there, search around for some tickets, and use the promo code TIGERS, T-I-G-E-R-S, at checkout. 20 bucks off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Matty B, on Friday, I will unveil bail my Game Time picks of the week for where I want people sitting uh, when the LSU host Arkansas. I've already browsed through it. There are a lot of tickets kind of all over the place. I expect them to come down in price uh, later in the week. I don't know what gambling lines do, but I do know what game time ticket apps uh, tickets do. They'll come down in price. Yeah. I'll get y'all hooked up on Friday. If you have not bought tickets yet for the game, LSU versus Arkansas and Tiger Stadium, 6 p.m. on Saturday, I'll get you in on game time. I'll get you 20 bucks off. Uh, tune into Friday's show. And I'll give you my best seats uh, that I've seen. So appreciate game time. Shout out to them. Y'all go download the app if you haven't. Uh, and if you have, good for you. Continue to use it. it uh, it's the best that's out there. Let's move on with the mailbag. Um, oh, five for five said, since you don't uh, like asking the questions about, since you don't like the questions about freshmen, dot, 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 which player do you see losing their starting job to a non-upperclassman? I don't not like answering questions about freshmen. It's just sometimes that's all the questions are about. That's what all the questions are. Uh, which player do you see losing their job to a non-upperclassman? So I guess it wouldn't have to just be freshmen. Um, I don't know. I almost feel like if anyone's taken starting jobs, it's going to be freshmen. It's Weeks and Hurd. Those are the only two, right? Yeah, Weeks and Hurd are my front runners for that. Aaron Anderson, I don't think is going to get in there. Uh, Sheldon Sampson, I don't think is going to get in there. I guess Chris Hilton over Lacey would be taking reps. I don't know if that's Hilton's like a redshirt sophomore. Are we counting redshirt sophomores. What's that? Are we counting redshirt sophomores? Yeah, he said any anything, just a non upperclassman. Okay. Oh, um, that's not an upper. You're not an upperclassman as a sophomore, even if you redshirted. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I think whew, uh, that that's probably it. Yeah, I mean, we talked we talked about it at length over the past thirty eight minutes. But five for five, you know, wants to ask another question about the freshmen. So go ahead. I like it. I'll take it. Uh, we'll go herd in weeks. Capital City Tiger. Why do I lose so many coins tailing Maddie B in sports betting? Fade hey. Maddie B then if you're really hey. about that that action. Um, I hey. saw. Go ahead. I saw the great Andy Staples at on three uh, put out his 10 bets for last week. He went over 10. That's just as tough as getting them all right. So very challenging. Fade Maddie B at your own risk. Do He's it. Gonna potentially come back strong. Do it. I, I, I've, I've LSU, the final lines, my LSU picks over the last year and a half. So for the last season and a half, I should say have been pretty good. We're rolling over there. So go ahead. 
Go ahead. I know he's in jest. Capital City Tech Guy. I love yeah, he's guy. joking, Bob. But yeah, he's not joking. Then he'll uh, he'll decide. He'll announce whether he's stating you or tailing you. He uh, might in be in. Yeah, he might be in financial ruin. I don't know. He might need. Actually, might actually be upset. Who knows? Uh, one of my favorite usernames on here, Louisiana, spelled uh, like Louisi, which is a great one. Uh, what's your grade on the following D linemen through the game so far? Uh, so I'm just going to name them. You instant react with the letter grade. You ready? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, Savion Jones, starting the end. B plus. Ooh, I'll, I'll go B. Yeah, um, Mason Smith, two games back from an injury. And you asked Brian Kelly about his return. And Kelly seemed to think, and I know you kind of watched all the film and said, look, Mason's really coming along. It seemed like Kelly felt the same thing, that he was like, look, every week we're seeing yeah. him do things that he wasn't doing the week before. Yeah. Uh, after the Grambling game, I would have said somewhere like C. Uh, I think after this game, I'll go like B minus. All right. Uh, your favorite player, Jordan Jefferson, a backup defensive lineman who has popped when he's gotten a chance. I think he, I think he's really good. B plus. Nobody's getting A's then. Uh, Guillory, who is rotating, but didn't play much against Grambling State, played some against State. I guess it really depends on what type of defensive fronts they're trying yeah. to run if they have a nose tackle. But uh, Guillory so far. B. 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 Okay, here comes your A, Makai Wingo. Yeah, A+. plus. He's the best defensive lineman they have on their team, one of the best in the conference. Uh, Ovia Gofu and Braden Swenson. So I'll give you two edge rushers there. Um, These are both transfers, for those that don't know, who it's the Jack linebacker, that stand-up edge rusher opposite Harold Perkins, where he's been playing. Uh, and Gofu was first team all camp, Swenson was second team. But we're starting to see that kind of flip. Yeah, uh, Gofu's hard because we didn't get to see him this week. Uh, Swinson, I'll give a strong – I think he's been re really good, actually. I th I'll say, like, B+. I've been impressed by Swinson so far. Uh, Jay Reyes, 1650. It's baffling that we've elected essentially fair catch punts with Greg Clayton. We have one of the best Louisiana high school punt returners on roster in Aaron Anderson. What will it take to get Anderson out there? Uh, big plays on special teams can be a deciding factor in a close game. I'm miffed by it. I don't know the answer. Um, but it just seems that with the offense right now ranks number one in the SEC in yards per game, and it ranks number six in the NCAA in yards per game. My only way to digest what I'm watching by them sending out Greg Clayton to just fair upon every catch is we just want the ball to go back in the hands of our offense, and we're negating any risk that would come with not doing that. Exactly. I think you're exactly right. I don't think they're overthinking. I don't think there's some underlying. Like if they think, oh, Aaron Anderson could maybe one in every three or four times pop it for 30 yards that they think they can get 30 yards in two plays on offense. Like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I don't think they're going to, I don't think it's that complicated. I just think they want to get the ball and Anderson. It's the thing that makes it weird to me is that Brian Kelly talked him up so much. And we saw him taking those reps in punt return. And we know how good of a punt return he is. And so it's all just – it's added up, but, like, the math doesn't add up to what we thought it would. So that, that's the weird part. Tiger uh, – or, excuse me, Cherry's Backpack, one of my favorite uh, – also one of my favorite usernames because that's got a little ode to myself in that one with the Jarrell Cherry Backpack Brick story. Uh, do you think it's time for Logan Diggs, Notre Dame transfer running back, to be used in a more featured role? And I think we're well on the way to seeing that happen, right? Because week one, he didn't play. The coach's decision wasn't ready. Week two plays, goes for over 100. 
And you go up to state. In this one, Jaden did carry it double-digit times, 15. So that's going to cut into any carries everybody else gets. But he had nine. Uh, Logan had nine carries. The next most was five from Caleb Jackson. Logan also had three targets in the passing game. That was the most among any running backs. So his production, Matty B., you said this last week, and I totally agree, is really, yes, he may be the number one guy, but how much he gets it depends on, yes, the rotation at running back, but maybe just as much on how much Jaden is running the ball in the game. Yeah, and he had 32 snaps against Mississippi State. Um, he had 36 against Grambling. I think that's pretty fair. It's somewhere in that range, 32 to 36 per game. That's almost half of the snaps of the offense. Well, and then think of it and cut it in half one more time. If he's in there for 30-something snaps and he got 9 plus 12, 13 targets on 30-something plays, that's nearly half the time he's in there almost. He's getting the ball. Um, that's a pretty good ratio to have for a running back, especially one in a deep room in the modern era where everyone uses a lot of running backs. Yeah. So you're moving in the right direction there. Tiger Cycling, thoughts on Caleb Jackson getting more reps at running back moving forward. I personally like him and Diggs as RB1 and 2. Matty B, you heard Kelly today. I mentioned it. It's the pass blocking, right? Like that's beyond A and ball security, all these things that you have to know being a veteran. But Diggs and Williams out of Kelly's mouth is these two. He said, go put on the film, watch third downs, and that'll explain to you why those two guys play and he doesn't. Yeah, it's, I mean, he's – I know, again, goes back to my rant. It's like everybody wants Caleb Jackson to play a lot. I want Caleb Jackson to play a lot. Um, there's just a lot of parts. Not I mean, Even if you go beyond pass protection, I feel like there's a lot of areas where Caleb Jackson will continue to grow and improve and get yeah. on the field sparingly this year, but in the future I think we'll be able to see him. So I'm, I'm not worried about him, but I just don't think he's running back one or running back two right now. Well, and think about this. He didn't play a senior year of high school because he got hurt. So Brian Kelly said, look, this is a guy who's relatively new to football in that sense because he had a shortened high school career, which included a COVID year. And then he has basically now been given a rolling back, starting rolling returns. And even on that, Brian Kelly was like, it's things as simple as, hey, if you're in the end zone and it hits you, you don't have to pick it up and take it out. You can still down it for a touchback or just keep it there. And he's like, there's so many little nuances to the game in every area that are being put on his plate and he's trying to digest them right now. So bringing him along slowly and not just saying, okay, we're going to give him eight touches a game is, uh, or 30 snaps a game or whatever it might be is the route to go. It's very clear that they've got other experienced running backs on the roster. So use them and continue to play Caleb Jackson. We we're like Caleb Jackson's biggest fans. So we totally see why fans want him to play. We watch the games too, but there is the nuance of everything else that comes with the position. Exactly. Um, Phelps, 48-24, asked about Aaron Anderson and just said, do you think that he's got a role in the passing game um, since they think he's maybe done in the return game or hasn't been back out there much at all? Uh, does he have a role in the passing game? I think so. I'm just curious if it becomes, like Matthew said, beyond a gadget player. Yeah, I, I think at some point I would assume he gets in there a little bit more, but I said it last week, it's like, it's going to be Malik, Brian Thomas Jr., and then whoever they figure out for the third receiver. And last week, or this past week, it was Chris Hilton, uh, who had two catches, I think, for under nine yards, something like that. Sometimes, I, I assume, I think they're going to go back to Kyron Lacey at some point. So you have Hilton, Lacey, Anderson kind of all moving around. And I'll tell you another thing. They moved Malik Neighbors to the slot 
uh, a lot last week. And that's something that obviously can take snaps away from Aaron Anderson because you put him in a slot, you put a Hilton on the boundary um, on the opposite side of Brian Thomas. So I think that's a situation where LSU likes Malik in the slot and that probably cuts down on Aaron Anderson's snaps as well. Uh, Ernie Ball, five. Did anyone else get LaRon Landry flashbacks when what weeks came like a bullet on the delayed blitz? Uh, I, man, I feel you now that you said it. This is before Maddie's B's time, but um, I guess that would have been a hit that LaRon made on Brody Croyle of Alabama back in the day on a delayed blitz that ultimately won him the game. So not nearly as big of a moment, but yes, uh, playing the linebacker position, he just – he flies all over the field. He does. And that's one reason you want him out there. He can just see it so well and uh, made a great play right there. Boy, and you see a guy, Maddie, be at linebacker, come through and make a play like that. And, you know, you have Perkins out there running around who's able to make every play like that. Yeah. You're adding another massive piece of weaponry uh, kind of to the field and, and to your repertoire, your, your armor on uh, on game days. I, I was really, really impressed with Whit Weeks. I thought he played a great game. And, that's why I got my vote for deserving more playing time. Um, and Ernie also asked, do you see Savion Jones continuing to prove off, improve off this week's performance? It felt like his best of the season. Matty B, thoughts? You're starting DN. You gave him a B plus, minus grade, somewhere in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think the funny thing is I Savion ended up only playing 19 snaps, which is funny because the first possession he was, you know, he made that play. I think the first two possessions he made a couple of plays that were like, okay, this dude's here. Uh, I, I assume I don't have this chart in front of me, but I don't think he played in the second half really much at all. So it was sparingly he was used, but he made a couple of plays. Uh, Florida State, I don't think he was great. Uh, Grambling, he was good. And Mississippi State, he was good. So like you said, he's trending upwards. I think he continues to get better. Um, we'll see as he continues to go through SEC play, if he can continue to be, um, improve. Uh, LWT watching the game again, looked like the O-line didn't have a great game, but didn't matter because Jaden was elite. Your thoughts on the O-line so far? I think it's gotten a lot better and I think they're shuffling guys and rotating them and they're not going to be perfect, but I thought that they played really well in spots against Mississippi state. And Brian Kelly even said, look, they gave Daniels enough time, but also kudos to Daniel. You're not going to protect him forever. And when someone does come through, Daniels didn't run. He stood in there, he threw it deep. And if you go back and look, I mean, Brian Kelly said it, we have a fascination as onlookers to see the deep ball go, and now we're tracking the ball, but you're not looking that right when he throws it, he's getting hit. And he knew it, but he stood there and he delivered it. So kudos to Jaden for that. Um, I don't know if you have anything to add, Matty B. Yeah. But I, I think the O-line's playing better than they have played, which is a good thing. Yeah, um, I, I think the offense line was actually pretty damn good in the game. So to disagree a little bit there with the LWT. But um, I thought it, pass protection it was actually held up really well. There was nothing that came into um, – there wasn't any pressures that came into Jaden Daniels' face that he couldn't escape from. And I'm not even saying that in like he had to be um, Houdini to get out of it. He just – there were obvious lanes to like where, okay, we pushed the guy inside and he had an easy way to roll out. Like I just thought – the offensive line did really well. There was nothing Mississippi State did that caught them off guard besides the twists that resulted in the one sack. Um, running blocking, I thought they were actually really good too. I mean, Logan Diggs and guys had a couple yards of head start in a lot of runs. So I, I think the offensive line was actually really good. Uh, JSO24, or actually Shoeless Joe 11 asked, um, are we able to consistently kick it in the end zone or are we making the choice to sky kick it short? 
that's a choice. They can kick it in the end zone. Um, yeah. And that could be a game-to-game thing, too, depending on who someone has a returner or what you see or kind of how you feel about whatever matchup you're on. But they can kick it into the end zone if they felt like it. So if you're seeing them do a sky kick, kick that is by choice on kickoffs. Uh, JSO24 said, no questions, but I'm going to give him an answer here because I like what he said. I just commend BK for his flexibility and willingness to get the right guys on the field. He saw issues and he named a number of positions and he goes and he addressed it. And we've seen new guys. I thought that Kelly had an, a, a really well said comment that he and Matt House after Florida State, the defensive coordinator, got together and agreed. We've got more than 11 guys that can play on defense. Let's play them. And that has yielded very good results uh, since then. So kudos to uh, them for just understanding, hey, let's just keep getting the best guys out there until we see what works. Uh, a few more left here. Ike B2. Uh, he said, does Aaron Anderson stink at practicing uh, at practice field and kicks, or are we just giving up on anything on returns? We talked about that with Greg Clayton being in there. We do not get to watch practice now, so we won't know the answer there. Certainly, Brian Kelly won't say the answer to that, but I would assume it's exactly what we said. It's They just want the offense to have the ball back in their hands, and maybe if you're I – don't, I don't even know what it would be. Like, if you're losing or in a tight game, you're trying to, like, spark one in the return game, or maybe if your offense yeah. installed, you need to spark something, but – when you're driving it every single time you get it, you just get the ball back and give it to the offense. Uh, Hunter Fournette, you taking the spread this weekend or Arkansas in the points? Uh, Hunter, you know you're one of our most loyal subscribers of the Bengal Tiger that we hold all betting rights until Friday for final lines. I've got all week to decide this, my brother. Uh, Mason Cox, who was from 2024. Okay, that's a recruiting question. Mason, well, me and Billy, I'll write that down. And believe me, we'll be all over that one tomorrow yeah. with, with the podcast. <laughs> but uh, who to keep an eye on recruiting and trending. And they'll have a big visitor weekend uh, this weekend with recruits for the Arkansas game, SEC home opener. Um, Terry Bussey, a five-star, is coming on an official visit. George McIntyre, the number two quarterback in the country for next year, will be here. So lots to come on the recruiting podcast. Check out Billy and I on that uh, on Wednesday. Uh, last one goes uh, the honor to Ryan Ortega. Was this week's win more telling about LSU or State? Curious if this means anything for as a barometer for success this season. Great question. Good way to end it. Yeah. I think it can say something about both, right? Yeah, I, I do. I think it's I think it's about both. But I, I said going into the game, I thought Mississippi State was one of the worst teams. So I I don't know how much I learned. I just I thought the matchup was also horrible for Mississippi State, and it gets to a point where your Mississippi State resource wise, talent wise, you can't. I I just completely disagree with them going with a you know physical be like hey we're gonna out tough you and out you're gonna win on the line of scrimmage in the sec west when you have the least amount of resources and the least amount of talent i just don't think that that's a viable way of winning games i've you know mike leach you know say what you will it's it wasn't perfect but heck i mean they were what were they eight and winning eight games over there with them i mean i just i think you have to kind of be creative and they basically neglated or negated any creativity in their offense uh with this uh offensive coordinator so i i think mississippi state's not good but lsu like i said for the lsu to, to take the game by the throat the way they did was not something they were doing last year so full credit to lsu and i think that that speaks to how good lsu is this year yeah i'll, get, I'll add one more thought i do think that it tells us like i I knew the defense was capable. And again, we haven't seen the corners and the DBs tested in the passing game like we did in week one. So that, you know, there will still be things we find out. But we 
wanted to see a vertical passing game from Jane Daniels, and we got it more so than any other time during his LSU career a year and three games in. So that I think we can carry forward into this season and say it's there. He can do it. It's just a matter of pulling the trigger and guys going downfield making plays and Malik neighbors certainly did that uh, 13 catches on 13 targets for a career day with 239 yards. Matty B, that's it. Uh, I said we wouldn't go an hour, and we did, so I lied. But that always happens to me, that like Todd. Close. Close. Um, all right. Yeah, thank you all for joining us. Uh, recruiting podcast out tomorrow, Tuesday. Um, and then we've got a special guest coming on the podcast, uh, I believe. Yes, and it's not Billy. It's not Billy. It's not Billy. It's not a recruiting analyst. It's a big-time name, national championship uh, winner coming on the podcast. That will be Now you've narrowed it down to just a couple people. <laughs> Hey, it could be it could be anybody, you know, national championship from women's basketball, from baseball, um, track. It could be really track, anything. Track. I mean, you really open your minds here, okay? Just just wait, you'll see. But yeah, that'll be out on Wednesday, so t- stay tuned for that as well. And then, uh, yeah, preview on Friday and all that good stuff. So check out the site, the Bengal Tiger, if you haven't already. Subscribe. You can submit questions. You can get all of our access. You get um, also access to the app the on three app i believe we haven't shouted that out very often but the app is rolling it is awesome uh updates coming out and um yeah it's really good now so i love using it so check that out as well thank you all for joining us leave us a like comment share subscribe and we will talk to y'all later